What's up, everyone? It's the Barely Wise Podcast, episode 10, I think. I'm pretty sure it's 10. Today, I am in a different studio with my dad. Dad, what's up? Hello. How are you doing? I am here. Good, good, <laughs> good, good. Well, uh, we decided we do it in, uh, you know, if you don't know, my dad's a professional podcaster. Well, that's an overstatement. He actually gets paid to do it. So he has a full on studio. Um, check him out. Can I plug you real quick? You can. Yeah, I suppose. <laughs> check him out. He's on YouTube and uh, Switch Stitcher. Stitcher, yeah. Stitcher. Uh, that's for the audio. Right. So audio or you could see the video uh, with me, my brother and my father. <laughs> TerryWilson3.com on YouTube. That's pretty sick. So how are you doing today? I am doing well. Good, good, good. Had a good day, and you know, you ate that. Uh, I ate my sandwich. You didn't like my uh, dinner. <laughs> it looked disgusting. You, you uh, don't like avocados. Nah, I heard uh, avocados taste similar to butt <laughs> butt cheeks. Well, I've never had butt, so I can't speak yeah. with any authority on that. But yeah. uh, I, I have had avocados. Good, good. That's great. So even watching a. Beetle. I came in here and he was watching a Beatles documentary. Yeah, it was uh, on. Uh, there's supposed there's supposedly some mystery as to the bass player of While My Guitar Gently Weeps, hmm. and so this guy is sort of saying he's going to solve the mystery as because you know normally Paul McCartney was the bass player, right? And so apparently there's some sort of it was he had like conspiracy a around it was he the actual or did he have like a ghostwriter, but as a bass player? Well, like for instance, uh, Eric Clapton came in and played yeah. the solo on that. Yeah. And it wasn't, I think, well known or publicized at the time, but now it's well known and publicized that yeah. he was the. Really? Yeah. So did he play, he, could Eric Clapton play bass? No, he was the, he played the guitar solo in, oh. uh, you know, the Beatles, uh, right. Paul McCartney, uh, John Lennon, Ringo. Jo- Ringo, and George Harrison. Gotcha. And, uh, you know, there's all kinds of uh, conspiracies, maybe? conspiracies and rumors, and I'm not nowhere near a Beatles yeah, aficionado, so I cannot right. speak with any authority at all about the Beatles. Uh, so half of this, I'm talking out my rear end. <laughs> You're just watching but I'm just watching it because I do enjoy their music mm-hmm. and, uh, as a music fan. Um, but like, for instance, one of the rumors I've heard growing up was a lot of the recordings of the Beatles wasn't actually Ringo. Really? But it was Paul McCartney going back in the studio and fixing the parts and actually playing it. What? Now, how true that is to the extent of or that. Like a myth. Well, I do know this. The there is a legend, and when I got to interview Tristan Bowden of Chicago, the mm-hmm. drummer for Chicago, he even alluded to this. And there's a legend that, how true it is or not, but there's this legend that they were being interviewed uh, early on, and the interviewer asked the four of them, um, "Did they believe Ringo was the greatest drummer in the world at the time?" And one right. of them scoffed and says, he's not even the best drummer in the band. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, which sounds like, you know, the yeah. sarcasm you would get in a group of guys. Yeah. So like, do people still th- say, is there anybody that really believes that Ringo was the best drummer in the world? I think 
it went through a time period where he got crapped on a lot. Yeah. But I think now it's, it's people appreciate his style and some right. of the things he was able to do. I think in the eighties and nineties, when you had bands like rush or Led Zeppelin or Led Zeppelin, right. uh, John Bonham from the seventies yeah. and rush from the seventies, Neil Peart and all that. Yeah. Yeah. There was, you know, Bonham with that uh, triplet pattern on the kick drum and then Neil Peart's just incredible right technical he just sort of and then the nirvana comes out and nirvana in the 90s that grunge area era so jam alice in chains drums is one of those um instruments that uh there's just been a ton of great drummers right and And so he got a lot of shade you know because i think what when people think of the beatles um they think of a band that sort of broke the mold at the time because everything on the radio back then was just this rockabilly one four five you know simplistic music right they started coming up with all these weird chord changes and structure and then their harmonies paul mccartney is brilliant john lennon is brilliant yeah george harrison is brilliant in his own right uh but you know you've got a band that's got mccartney and john lennon in it i mean right yeah. So I mean it's you're going to get shade, you're going to get overshadowed. Yeah, it's sort of like a Jimi Hendrix. It's not like today there's not music like it, but they sort of revolutionized yeah. the way the music and was Hendrix played. changed the way the guitar was looked at. Yeah. I mean still to this day cuz I would say my opinion now is John Mayer is the best guitar player to ever play, but at the same time I don't know if John Mayer would play the way he plays if jo- Jimi Hendrix didn't you know, come in. And- I think Mayer is a culmination of a lot of influences. Yeah. The definitely. thing that makes John Mayer so attractive is he can sound like a Hendrix, but he can also sound like a, a Jimmy Ray Vaughn. Yeah. Uh, he can sound like, um, you know, a lot of these guys from the seventies and eighties. And on top of all of that, he's an incredible songwriter and singer. Yeah. You know, I don't think you would even know about John Mayer if he couldn't sing or if his songs yeah, weren't. exactly. He was just really talented. Um, He's like a Carol King of modern times. You yeah. know, Carol King and James Taylor, these singer-songwriters from the 60s, yeah. 70s. You know, uh, uh, like You Make Me Feel Like a Natural Woman was Carol King's big thing. And then uh, You've Got a Friend yeah. and Carolina On My Mind, which was James Taylor, all of that stuff. Right. Singer-songwriter stuff. I think uh, Mayer was he's sort of in that vein yeah definitely i love james KG taylor Hicks. yeah james taylor has some really how sweet it is this is a good one yeah i yeah. remember we used to play that in church yeah uh, they started playing that in my work the other day and a guy came in and was singing the lyrics really loud so it just shows all j and he was an older guy a so good it, song will last oh yeah in generation after generation i like because i think i think oh yeah me too you know uh because some of that stuff that came out in the 60s before me because i didn't start listening to music until the 80s yeah but there's a lot of songs in the 60s and 70s i dig on and Definitely. just like you you're listening to stuff from the 60s now yeah yeah, yeah that's so a, good, a good song's gonna last last for yeah. a lifetime so hopefully my kids will enjoy grateful dead and, <laughs> you know. um i i do wish i grew up in the era where uh, staircase to heaven played backwards uh, everybody was like <laughs> you missed the back masking era yeah. part of uh stairway yeah. to heaven all, all, all the moms were trying to ban rock music because rock music is the devil's music and stuff like that i watched um it was a ted talk talking about it was basically on 
you're gonna hear what you're told to hear yeah all aspects of life so he played the clip that everybody knew about um and listened and he was like guess the words nobody knew what the words were they told him what to hear yeah yeah so once he put it on the screen everybody's like whoa it's so clear now it's just sort of uh it shows you in all aspects of life you're gonna recognize what you're already told to recognize neuro linguistic programming yeah that's what that is yeah programming the brain is true yeah just telling people what if you tell people what they're going to see in here beforehand yeah i mean that's why in courtrooms they call it leading the witness yeah you, you got to yeah. ask the question you don't give them the answer so they know how to answer it right yeah. right it's a lot of that goes on and it's interesting it's weird though different circles yeah definitely so um, music's an odd thing. <laughs> so how was your day? Fantastic. Fantastic. Uh, woke up at one thirty. Uh, <laughs> so you're up early. What'd you get up so early for? I don't know. The but, crack of noon. <laughs> and it was hard to get up. I was, I still had another good five, six hours of sleep. I could sleep in, but I was like, nah. I so you had it up. in you to go even more. Right. Right. I had the, okay. I had That's the weirdest dream. Yeah, exactly. That's <laughs> discipline right there. I had the weirdest dream through the night i had a bunch of weird dreams um one of them was i was a cop <laughs> i became weird. a cop and uh i got fired the day of uh, i was in my police uniform and when we were in the car it was so vivid instead of like speed radaring people i had a gun and i would just aim at people oh dad's getting a call yeah let me mute that say i'm on the phone <laughs> sorry about that no it's all good um but i was aiming my gun at every car that passed Apparently that's frowned upon as a police <laughs> officer, but, um, yeah, I think I have it in me. I should be a cop. Definitely. Yeah. Um, so I went back to, uh, my old job to apply and, uh, went really well. I got to see everyone I used to work with and everybody's still there and happy with it. Um, the only thing that's gotten more stricter from what I've heard is that, uh, apparently food safety, uh, they needed to cut down on, you know, portions food portions and how you make the food and you know being safe with it apparently all across the globe food cost for the oh yeah it's gone crazy it's gone nuts so i imagine they're really tightening up on um portion control and yeah, everything like that they're Definitely. gonna watch every nugget and every yeah fry you put on that plate god exactly so, I, I, no, I think that's what turned these companies into not that they want to turn into these well food's villains. gone crazy have you? yeah i mean yeah i mean at the place I worked at before, the price of mac and cheese per, it would come in a pan. So yeah. a pan of full mac and cheese used to be $10. And that was our most expensive item. It's like $25 now per yeah. pan of mac and cheese. It's like, that just makes sense. Why all these markups on food? The problem with increases on food, from my perspective, mm. of a 46-year-old man has been around <laughs> a minute or two is a lot of things go up in prices and they come back down like gas will go up and it'll come back down right pricing of houses have gone up and come down but i noticed this during katrina i don't know if you remember katrina the hurricane the hurricane when bush was in office and everything there was a big supply chain shortage that was going on and put a squeeze on food and yeah. food prices that was the first time i noticed food prices spike and they never went down from that when food really? prices go up, they never come back down. And I don't really? know why that is. I'm not an economist. Right. But I see all kinds of things go in and up and down, you know, because of, you know, the ebb and flow of uh, 
the economy, but it just seems like that's one thing. If the price of milk goes up, it stays up. Now it might really? flatline and not go up anymore for a while, uh, but it just never seems to go back down. Gosh, I, I saw a post yesterday. As I think 2009 and gas was 160. Yeah, almost everywhere. And right now, it's the cheapest I could find is a grocery store nurse, and even them is it's at like 315 now. Which some of you from California. Are if you're anywhere on the West coast or up North, that's, you know, a good, that's a deal. That's a deal for you. But down here, it's, we're not used to that. Oh, fuel prices have gone crazy. And I think that's got a lot to do with, uh, you know, decisions we've made. Yeah. Do you think, uh, the inflation of gas and food is, and houses are ever going to come back down or? Yeah, I think, I think a lot of things will normalize. Probably it's probably going to be another two or three years out. Yeah. But I don't know if food will ever, yeah. Go back down. Ironically enough, now's the time to be in debt. Uh, and yeah. what I mean by that is, for instance, like we've got this house here that we have a mortgage on. Right. Well, this house, just in a, a matter of, uh, you know, a few months, has gone up exponentially as far as, as yeah. value, what we could sell it for. Now, is it a true win? No, because you buy in the same market you sell. So even though I'm gaining money because I owe this, now I can sell it for this. All of that money I made, I've got to buy something else. Well, the houses I'm right. going to be buying is inflated, so it's not really a win. Insane. But uh, as you know, I'm a business owner. We've gone up on our prices because yeah. everything has gone up. But see, my debt has stayed the same. Yeah. So yeah. basically, in a perverse way, that's one of the advantages of having debt in an economy like this. It actually, uh, it actually lowers the value of your debt. Wow. That's true. I, I never even thought about it that way. Yeah. It's- because like if, if I'm in debt for a hundred thousand dollars, right. And what I own, let's say what I own for that hundred thousand dollars was $150,000. And now because of this inflation, it's $200,000. It just made my, it made my debt to income ratio. Right. Right. So in a perverse way, it, it helps in that. And and it's not really a help, but it does, it diminishes the, the cost of your debt. Wow. I mean, that's a good thing. Definitely. Yeah. Do you think we'll have to go through a, uh, another era of the 1920s because we're in the 20s now and it looks like it's about to make a loop or at Dude, the least a 2008 yeah, recession. I'm not an economist. I don't know. I pray not. Yeah. I, I, I gosh, I, I, I know there's conspiracies on both the left and the right about this big massive reset. Right. And ironically, um, uh, and in my opinion, sadly, Uh, A lot of people, both who are super, super liberal and super, super conservative are all pulling for it. Really? And it's a, it's a weird time we live in. It's like, no one's happy. Yeah. Absolutely. No one from any political stripe (laughs) is happy. And, uh, which I think that has a lot more to do with where we're at, uh, sociologically and psychologically as a people. I don't think, um, I don't, I don't think our problem can be solved economically. Yeah, definitely. I think the problems we have are psychological that is led from some spiritual dynamics or lack thereof. Right. Right. It's definitely tough. The annoying part. And I think we've talked about this before is inflation will go up, but the last thing to go up is uh, how much you're getting paid. Mm -hmm. And, uh, 
you know, there's studies everywhere. You'll find it anywhere where, you know, in the eighties you can work a job that's in, you know, today, $13 and, you know, our money today, and you could buy a house with $13 an hour, you know, in that time. And I'm sure it was like eight, $7 an hour, but now you can make 16, $17 an hour. And, you know, it's a struggle to get rent for a apartment. Yeah. I, I, I hear that. And I know that to a certain extent is true, but then, uh, as you know, I work in a recruiting space, right? And uh, we either recruit people into our business to do a sort of a um, an entrepreneurial type thing, or we recruit people to go get hourly and salary jobs, right? So that's right. sort of what part of what we do. And I look at r- very rural communities that uh, we go to church in, mm-hmm. and I see in th- out front in front of fast food restaurants. Hiring for seventeen twenty two dollars an hour, right. even though minimum wage hasn't changed. Yeah, yeah. Which tells me they're having to really, really compete just to get people in because there yeah. is this huge mass exodus in the workforce. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if you saw this. I'll send you the link. Um, it's pretty funny. It's not funny. It's sad. <laughs> but I don't know if you knew this. I just found this out. I was. I watched this. Uh, YouTube channel and it's this lawyer mm-hmm. and all he talks about is case law and different things going on specifically in the workforce and stuff like that. Right. And there is this, uh, it's up in Wisconsin and it's this hospital called, and I want to get it right for your podcast. Cause I know your listeners tune in for exact data. <laughs> exactly. Uh, it's called theta care. C H E D A C A R E. Uh, they are a hospital in Wisconsin and they're suing their employees, their employees, their employees, not all of them, just a group of them. And what is this group doing? Not getting vaccinated. Nope. It has nothing to do with the vaccine. Really? I'm not going to go wow. that controversial. I know. <laughs> I would not do that to your podcast. <laughs> I appreciate that. Um, what did they do? They want to go work for the hospital across town because the other hospital is willing to pay them more. How dare they? So they went to them and saying, Hey, these folks over here are willing to pay us, you know, whatever more it was and give us these benefits. So we want, we're turning in our notice two week notice. Now keep in mind that this is a right to work, which means they're not under contract. They don't have to be right. part of any type of union. Uh, they are not uh, in a contract with that hospital that they've got to work five years before they can be released. Mm-hmm. They haven't signed a, what's called a non-compete clause. Cause there are companies like, for instance, you go to work for them and you learn all this information. You become a, a visible person in that industry. Right. They might make you sign a non-compete clause, which means, uh, you've got to wait two years before you can do another job like this if you leave them. Wow. Because they don't want to. And that's fair because they're putting you well, in yeah. this position to be exposed to all of these things, learn all these things, and they don't want to train their competition. Yeah. So that's fair. But this isn't the case. These are nurses. These, so they don't have a legal. They don't have any of that. And so they went to a judge and had the judge put in what's called an injunction, which means don't let them go until we can work this out. And so the judge actually put in an injunction. And so what they were hoping that they could do, since they blocked them from being able to go to work, they was hoping they could delay it to where they'd have to come back to work here. Wow. Um, 
And I didn't realize this. The lawyer was bringing it up. But there is the 13th Amendment in the Constitution says you cannot compel people to work. A servitude slavery is illegal. So they couldn't ask the judge to force them to go work because that's servitude. Right. That's slavery. You right. can't. That's that's constitutionally. <laughs> yeah. You know, people marched for that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and so they couldn't do that. So uh, they gave him the weekend and the judge came back and he says, we got to. Uh, remove the injunction because and so now they let the workers leave but that just tells you to me yes there are some uh the laws haven't kept up with maybe the demand yeah on what you but gosh if you want to make extra money yeah and, and that's why you know i was telling you you were talking about some of the the experiences you were having at different places of employment right and not getting involved, not mentioning names, not making right. any judgments. But I would tell anybody that employs people, uh, now's the time to let your people know how much you appreciate them. Yes. Because it's, it is a, it's a, what they call a buyer's market. You are out shopping for jobs, buying yeah. jobs. It's, yeah. it's, it's anybody that's looking for work. Now's the time to earn what you want and do what you want. Because right. There's just people are begging when yeah. you're in Rutherford County. Okay. <laughs> and, and I'm not, not, I'm not throwing shade, but that's where right. we're from. And if so, anybody knows of Rutherford County, you understand what we're saying. Even if you live there, you it's, understand it's, what it's, it's, it's typical rural America. I mean, it's right. nothing, it's just rural, nothing different. America, nothing different. And a fast food, the Sonic, let's just yeah. is willing to pay anywhere from 17 to $22 to hour to work a drive through. Then That's crazy. If I'm over at the McDonald's or the Burger King or the Chick Fil A or the Waffle House, and I've got a good employee, I'm going to go over backwards yes. to take care of that person and make sure they know they're cared for. Make sure they're cared yeah. for. That's it. Just doesn't make sense to do otherwise. It it really doesn't. And I, you know, I try to speak lightly because I don't have any experience with you know being a boss or owning anything. Um, but from my low perspective, I would think the last thing you should do is to make all these rules that are, aren't necessary that aren't because I, I would get, you know, food costs. That's totally understandable. Yeah. Even though I might not like it, totally understandable. But when you make rules about how you can speak, how you can walk, how you can talk, and it's more than just food safety or anything like that. It really doesn't make, well, that's the, yeah, I think, I think people, I know I am. I don't know if you're this. Oh, I know you are this way because you're my son. But <laughs> and people in general, no one likes arbitrary rules. Yeah. just yeah. It's just arbitrary. It's just yeah. like if there's a, and everybody wants to be communicated because what is communication? Communication is showing that other person value and showing them respect and showing them that uh, their opinions, thoughts, and feelings matter. Yeah, And when you just arbitrarily say this, 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 and this, that's fine if you can get away with it. But I'm just telling men, day and age, my clients, when I'm <laughs> coaching and counseling business owners and stuff, mm -hmm. this isn't those, that day is not today. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, not at all. In, in negotiation, we call it leverage. And yeah. right now you don't have the leverage to be able to conduct yourself in, right. in such a way. There's a, from what I know, there's not enough benefits. There's not enough money there to be treated the way, you know, some employers like to treat. But I, th I think they'll learn in time. Um, of course, 
I don't want to say it's impossible to get a job to pay rent or anything like that. It's just, it's hard. It, it's hard. I, would you say it's harder today to get an entry level job to survive than it was, let's say 20, 30, 40 years ago? Uh, no. To be honest with you, I know that's not politically correct or popular, right? But it's my opinion. Yeah. Take it or leave it. Yeah. You have the right. Uh, and I know people disagree with me. And uh, I think this generation, in my opinion, mm-hmm. has way more opportunity than people my generation had coming up. For example, that's fair. For example, I am a poor, uh, white, southern, uneducated male in mm. the ninth poorest uh, county in America, not the state in America. And my opportunity, and I'm not saying woe is me, by the way. That's not right, right. But I'm saying, what's my opportunity? It's very limited. I don't come from money. I don't come from anything. It had Terry Wilson grown up in the exact same community from the exact same family. But in this time period, there's one big difference. Internet. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. There's a lot more opportunities. You the world, the it doesn't matter where you're at. The world is right there on your phone. Yeah. On your laptop. I can connect anyone in the world. Yeah. I can see what's going on. I can shop around. Not only that, the market is so easy to find. A market for any specific when product. Back then, you were, you were sort of pigeonholed to the corner of the world you lived in. Right. I mean... If you, if you only had 40 bucks in your account yeah, and gas was even, even though gas was 89 cents a gallon, how far would that take you and where do you go Yeah, to get that opportunity, to find that? Right. The only thing around me was fast food and um, cotton mill, which is, there's not cotton mills in this area anymore. But back in those right. days, you, you either went and worked for the mill, uh, which was very, very, very laborsome work. I bet. Very hard work. Um, and, and just so you know, I know I'm talking to a young fella here and, and people that are listening to your podcast are thinking I'm probably Mr. Old Fuddy Duddy or whatever, <laughs> but uh, I'll give you a little inside, uh, insight. When you see people my age and up cop attitudes with younger generations, keep in mind it's not to dismiss the pain, the struggle, yeah, the things you're going through at all. Because it's real. It's just different. Yeah. It's just different. Yeah, definitely. But what my generation hears is here's here's someone that has the entire world at their hands. Right. Opportunity all around them. I mean, before we came on tonight, you had a wonderful Mexican meal. Yeah. By one push of a button, brought to you. Yeah, it was good. I grow up, okay, and we're eating out of soup cans or something because mom and dad work all day. Right. Uh, so you don't have, you know, it's just, so people, older people are looking at the context of their life. Yeah. And seeing the context of someone else's life and they're like, what are you bitching about? <laughs> yeah. yeah you know, so I think everybody needs to be patient. Yeah. 
Everybody needs to be patient with one another. My generation needs to be patient with your generation in the fact that we didn't have all the stuff coming at us that you guys do. Yeah. Like for instance, if I had someone in school that thought I was an asshole or thought I was this or that or didn't like me, nine times out of ten, I wouldn't even know about it. Right. You guys know what everybody thinks about everything. Exactly. And sometimes that's not good. It's all, it can be awful. It's not mentally healthy. No. If you do something wrong or you make a mistake, everybody in your school, somehow, they don't even have to know you, but they are going to know what you did. It's crazy hanging out with people from my generation because they can look at anybody and know their backstory. Know, you know everything. All from social media. We were going down the road and, and your sister was talking about how when she goes on someone's account, she goes back and looks at three, four, five years ago, yeah. this and that. It never occurred to your mother and I to even do something. Like, Why would well, I want to know what's going on? Yeah. And I was like, what? I mean, it's just easy. Like I could go back for you. I could go back to 2010, 2011 to see what you were thinking on July 31st. You, you know, could go 20- back a hundred pounds ago. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I could, it's easy to go back and see how people have changed. And I but think you know, the old cliche is ignorance is bliss. Yeah, I absolutely. My agree. generation was ignorant of what yeah. other people thought. Of what other th- we were ignorant of what was going on 40 miles from yeah. us because we didn't have constant news exactly and that's the hard part is because every because i think when you were growing up every opinion was within your yeah, it was our little circle it was your circle. this i can hear the opinion of somebody in australia somebody in california somewhere in vermont you hear everyone's opinion and it's like well damn what do i choose like what's the right opinion because everyone thinks they're right and so what we've done, in my opinion, is we've put young people in this situation to where we've given them loaded guns <laughs> yeah. and not taught them how to hold it, how to load it, how to load it, where to go to the firing range and practice. We haven't taught you. You, you have been given so much information to process mm. emotionally, spiritually, uh, intellectually. Yeah. I mean, you're being exposed. Listen, when I mean, when I came up, there was, it never occurred to me to think there was no God. Yeah. I mean, just go there for a minute. Yeah. It never occurred to me to think, right. There's no such thing as God. Yeah. I don't know of anybody in your generation that, 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 uh, doesn't have doubts. It doesn't have doubts. And why, I mean, and I think it's great to, you know, as a Christian to examine why you believe what you believe and not to, to believe based on something. I get all that. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole. I know it's not, but just simple things like that. The way we, the way we, um, the way we view life. Yeah. It's definitely gotten harder. Our whole reality. Yeah. You know, your, your reality is goes through this thing these filters right of social media and society and all of this it's 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 it and you are having to intentionally focus on what's true i didn't have to i it didn't take a lot of intellectual or emotional energy on my part to accept reality yeah you have to fight for <laughs> exactly what is real and what's not exactly because there's just so much bs because at the time i was 14 the harsh part about the internet is there's no censorship. There's nobody caring nah. about what you're going to hear. Not that I think there should be. But. No, no, yeah, <laughs> me neither. But, you know. Go Joe Rogan. <laughs> by the time I was 13, 14, 
I knew the Mexican cartel was a thing. I knew that they chopped people's heads off, and you see videos of oh my gosh, the kids and their dads. I didn't even know about the Mexican cartel until about five <laughs> or six years ago. I probably learned of it the same time you did. Yeah, it's crazy. There's just because of no Netflix. Sense. Yeah, there's just you think about all over the world. There, like the KGB is such a scary thing because they're like an official governmental sort of thing, like a militia. I don't know if they're actually in arms with the government, but these are people who are like the police, but the evil police. If they don't like what you posted, they go to your house and they chop off your limbs and they kill your girlfriend and they do whatever. It's like, damn, it shows you the world is a dark, dark place. But see, I never, and it is, and it always has been. Right. But the difference is it's not ever until recent history just been incessantly put in front of you. Yeah. You're constantly having to see the worst of the worst and it's skewed. On top oh, of that, yeah. Yeah. it's very skewed because it's not like there's not great things going on. Yeah. It's not it's just, like it's not attractive. It's not like someone that I went to the gym day. I didn't just smile at me, open the door and say, so good to see you. Yeah. And it wasn't like that someone just didn't come up to me uh, last week and almost bring me to tears because they were talking about some things that was going on and thanking me for. It's not like, but see, that don't make the news. Yeah. No. Yeah, exactly. They don't make that because it doesn't sell. No, it doesn't get clicks. It doesn't. I think Jordan Peterson has talked about this before, but it's just, I don't know. It's hard to good things. Don't get clicks. Like you said, it's just darkness sells. And it doesn't matter if you are the most optimistic person. I really don't think, um, and he's talked about this, but you can be, I feel like, and you could correct me if I'm wrong. But I feel like I'm a pretty optimistic person as far no, as yeah, upbeat. I, th- I definitely I, think you are. I, I always try to see the good. and um, But I don't think um, appreciating all of the darkness and the heaviness isn't a personality thing. And I think it's, you know, Peterson talks about it being an evolutionary thing because yeah. we're conditioned to have to be worried about the tiger in the jungle. Yeah. We survived yeah. as a species because... We're predisposed to understand there's something out there that wants to eat me. Yeah. Yeah. So that's just in our DNA. That's yeah. just in our makeup. And so that's not a person. I'm Mr. You know, I'm motivational speaker over here. Right. You know, that's what I do. But I recognize that yeah. there's, there's stuff to, to be concerned about. So how much more, how much more can the society we have created bring a lot of people uh, to a lot of heaviness. Yeah. Yeah. When they are already maybe predisposed to being a little on the more melancholy side to start with. Yeah. I mean, it's just, yeah. uh, I have to be intentional, man. I, you know, and then, so I, I said, all that to say my generation needs to be more patient with the younger generation because yes, that kid's got that iPhone and sneakers and it's got on demand, anything they want. They don't right. have the hardship maybe that we came up with because they got a lot of, uh, modern amenities that we never, but they have a lot of emotional and um, psychological pressure that we never was put under. Right. You know, and that's why you, you hear old fuddy duddies like me saying, y'all need to go outside and play. Yeah. Just get on no, your bike, I, get away from electronics and just complain. Because truthfully, you'd be happier for it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> no, it's, it's honestly one of my favorite topics just about, and this is a bit controversial, so I hope this doesn't offend you anyone. Oh, go ahead. But um, oh yeah, well you're already you don't <laughs> what, worry um, about offending me. You already what, offended me. <laughs> <laughs> what I sort of believe is, um, we weren't, we were never made 
to stay inside all day. And I think a lot of people agree, I you agree know, with that. just from an evolutionary standpoint, it's because in a sense, I believe we're animals in a sense, like we're conscious and self-aware animals. We're the smartest of our species, but still in a way we are built to hunt, fight all this. But today everything is, you want food, click this glass you touch this glass anytime mm-hmm. and you get anything you want pretty much you want drugs alcohol food porn whatever it's all at the touch of this glass so all of the dopamine that should be coming from hunting or finding something or fighting something it's just so easy to get nowadays so i definitely understand what you're saying but we need to sort of see put ourselves in other people's shoes to understand there is a you remember the show Fresh Prince of Bel Air? Yes, I love that show. Do you like that show? I love that show. Uh, remember Uncle, what's his name? Uncle Phil. Uncle Phil and his wife. Yeah. She said something so profound one time on that show. She said, uh, Phil, we have worked so hard to give our kids what we never had coming up that we forgot to give them what we did have. And what she was talking Damn. about is the struggle. Damn. The struggle. People don't realize, but the, the struggle is just as part of the gift of life as yeah. the reward. And what you're talking about, being able to get anything at the touch of a button to get that dopamine hit. Yeah. Reward without the struggle leads to some bad, bad oh, places yeah. physically, emotionally, spiritually. Absolutely. You know, uh, and I've had to learn this and you've watched me in my own physical life last year and a half. I have been overweight since you've known me. Mm. And, uh, you know, in just the last year, year and a half, I've taken my health serious because I never liked the struggle there. Just right. Who likes the struggle? But yeah, exactly. Now, when I reward myself with that steak or whatever, (laughs) you know, I'm getting rewarded the right way after the struggle. No, I 100% agree. I think, I mean, it's talked about all the time in clinical psychology, but you need darkness to see lightness. And I think if we were always just happy, then it would be sort of sad and annoying. Like, we'd be like, why do I, whatever. Like, it's just whatever. What is happiness without sadness? Exactly. So I think you have to really go through the tough and dark times to really cherish the happy times and be like. And you start realizing that. Then some of those big questions that we ask, yeah, start to make more sense. Yeah, no, yeah, I, I you know what I'm saying. Yeah, definitely. Why is all the suffering in the world? Right. Because what brings pleasure if there's no suffering? Yeah. What brings bliss if there's no absolute? Yeah, I don't think we'd be cherished life if we didn't know we were going to die. Why would you? Yeah, I think death is. It's what it makes death life. Death is what brings value to life. Oh, yeah you live forever then why would you even get up tomorrow yeah definitely it's it's a good philosophy to have yeah Yeah, definitely is what time we're at uh i've got eight minutes eight minutes we're at eight minutes we're eight minutes till uh seven Oh, oh, sorry. I was like, we only didn't do this. For what the hell? <laughs> oh, I um, don't know. As far I don't have the. I didn't click here. I just I'm recording. Oh yeah, that's all good. That's yeah, all good. Well, here. we can wrap it up here. But thanks everybody for listening. Thank you for coming on. Well, thank, thank you. you for having me. I hope I didn't bore you. <laughs> thank you for letting me come in your office and use it for a second. But um, no, this, it was you a can good use this anytime, even if I'm not here. <laughs> good. It, it might good. make it easier on you. 
Probably, honestly, but I, I had, it was it's sort good, of already set up for this. Right. So that way, you don't sort have to of like someone who does the podcast in our house. And yeah. I didn't have to set it up. Well, this was a really good conversation. I appreciate it. Yeah. And thanks for coming on. And uh, thank you, everybody, to, for listening. And uh, have a good one.